Hello everyone, welcome back to Morgan Hasn't Seen Janine. We're going into the darkness today on the yes. Star Trek <laughs> series. Because we are, of course, coming very meal, very nearly towards the end of the Star Trek series, Janine. This Star Trek journey. <laughs> it is kind of sad because I have thoroughly enjoyed myself throughout this series. And I hope and I think we're going to enjoy ourselves today as well. Talking yes. Star Trek Into Darkness, Janine, the second of the J.J. Abrams movies. A movie which apparently last week you said people hated. Well, yeah, I think people, you know, I think once they had time to kind of sit on it, they maybe found things to appreciate. But I think right off the bat, they just felt like it was just a failure to the, you know, they thought it was trying too hard to copy con and didn't really see the timeline kind of different aspects of it. You know, like this is a different timeline. Similar things happen, but in a different way. And I don't think yeah. they were able to kind of take it as that. So, Well, yeah, which I think is kind of how I, how I do take this movie. So like I said last week, the fact I was reminding myself that, this was an alternate timeline and not yeah. the origins of the cast members we know helped me kind of uh, not get too bogged into nitpicking oh well that shouldn't be like that or that shouldn't be like that because it's a t totally different universe it, it there are going to be those differences and it absolutely isn't a problem because it has nothing to go back on this is its own individual thing so i'm yeah. not I, I i didn't notice anything like that because i wasn't fussed about anything like that um in in into darkness either but it does come with obviously natural comparisons and one fairly obvious natural comparison that you know is in into darkness that wasn't in the original Star Trek, and that is obviously Khan himself. The comparison yes. between the the you know the two different versions of Khan, which is ridiculously stark, I think. <laughs> and uh, we will, I'm sure, get into all kinds of situations about that. But do you see this movie as uh, as as one of those people who didn't like it, or are you kind of similar to me, where I actually? quite enjoyed this movie there was actually significant aspects to this movie that i preferred to star trek 2009 i think it's visually a better movie because it didn't yeah. hurt my eyes <laughs> there were still and the lens flares but there wasn't not as many <laughs> and it didn't feel like i was being shook around all the time and it was too quickly edited yeah. This one felt very, very smooth. Very, yeah, very, no, I yeah. I always enjoyed this one, but I think when, when I watched it, I was just only aware of the Wrath of Khan and, and that whole thing, but I never had seen, I hadn't seen Wrath of Khan at that time. So I think okay. I was able to kind of take that part out of it and enjoy the movie for what it was. I will say, I mean, I think they kind of introduced um, too many kind of questions with the whole kind of... Uh, revitalizing blood issue um yes and, it's a little bit convoluted i suppose yes so don't I wish we come to expect that 
from yes. certain major franchises and their convoluted yes, there's always ways of trying to explain of certain weird plot elements. To bring somebody back and things like that. So, you know, I think uh, a, a franchise up to this point, you know, its second film, had done a good job of really being smart about things. It was a little bit frustrating that they kind of just had this easy thing that could open up the 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 you know the the wormhole of like okay well you have this blood that can bring people back to life what what are we going to do with this we could use this to do so many things you know so why kind of open that wishy-washy kind of thought process in in the viewer's mind uh so i think that i wish there was a better way that they could have handled um bringing kirk back you know that wasn't going to like open up all these kinds of questions of you know we have this technology now what can we do with it you know because it's, that's yeah. kind of you know it, so it may, it may like be seen it... <laughs> as yeah. literally we can now bring back the dead so yes. where we is have magic blood and conflict exactly so like i didn't like that that it opened up that thing in my mind and it's like oh great now like it's kind of just dumb that they have this thing that can cure cancer and cure diseases and cure all these people and bring people back to life and we're just not going to do anything with it like i didn't want to think about that i just wanted to enjoy it yay kirk is back yay but that just little seed in my brain just kind of um, not to to you know make a pun not to space seed but um <laughs> the con episode of the show um but yes I, I i it just bugged me a little bit that i i had that in my head now i just wanted to kind of enjoy it and be happy that he was back and that they were going on but that just one little thing at the end just was like i wish they would have found a smarter way to handle that but overall i i enjoyed this movie i didn't have any kind of hate for it like most people did um and, and i was able to kind of take it as this is just an alternate and once i did see wrath of khan it was like i was able to take it as this is an alternate telling of a similar story with similar characters because this is a completely different timeline so it's not going to happen the same yeah admittedly that seed that you speak of janine was nowhere close to being planted in my mind i hadn't okay. even thought about that i just okay. <laughs> took it as fact and took it as what it was and yeah. this is how you decided to bring kirk back because you had to have a weird plot element in there because to i'm just back, too yes. used to major franchises viewing weirdly over convoluted things to bring back major characters i'm too used to it at this point so it doesn't phase me yeah. shall we say it doesn't phase me it literally just goes whoosh as another element to this movie yeah and i, mean, I don't head, even I can... think about it <laughs> yeah i mean in my head i'm able to kind of explain those things away at a certain point to just kind of enjoy it but it's always just there so admittedly that, but... <laughs> it may have also been a little bit more satisfying or whether it's satisfying to you to have simply been able to bring kirk back on the brink of death by cryogenically freezing him and over time reviving him with medicine rather than yes yeah. what you yeah. referred to quite rightly as magic enhanced blood yes because like even his blood was able to bring back that little girl and that's what caused kind of the 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 the, the, the series of events to come about so yes i mean i guess like in my head i can i kind of explain it away as okay well um you know what got us in this problem in the first place is you know trying to do advanced things that kind of go against what is kind of morally right 
um, you know, with, you know, uh, Peter Welling kind of wanting to make these weapons and go against kind of a moral thing. So, you know, having this blood around could, you know, cause people with kind of moral issues to to use it in in bad ways. So it's better to just put Khan away and not use it, you know. So that's yeah. kind of how my brain was able to, but it's still just like, it's a little messy to bring a concept like that in here, you know. It is, it is. And ultimately, I don't think this movie has its kind. Well, I mean, the, the, there's the things that come with can. I was about to say, Janine, I was about to say that I don't think this movie has its big picture themes and questions surrounding it, as yeah. many other Star Trek movies do. But then again, it has just about the same one as The Wrath of Khan does itself. And it is, you know, how far are you willing to go with... It's the question of genetic engineering. It's the question of... It's almost, almost a super soldier kind of thing, isn't it? Almost yeah. a, a, a super being. How do... how? What are the positives and negatives of enhanced beings is exactly. basically the idea we're kind of exploring around. in The Wrath of Khan. And it is the idea we are exploring in this movie as well as the mirror version of that movie. <laughs> yes. And I think even in the last episode when you kind of mentioned to me about... Um, you know, the Genesis stuff and how that was kind of just never used again. And it was there, it could do these amazing things, but, you know, we're not even going to kind of address that or try to use that for any other kinds of means. We just kind of, it's used for its purpose to bring Spock back. And then we just kind of yeah. forget about it. So in kind of you bringing that up also kind of can make me a little bit more comfortable with this kind of magic blood thing that gets brought in you know that could open up these potential questions so you know you have to just kind of think about it in the world of what star trek is you need a thing for a certain point to make a thing happen and then we kind of just move on so you know i, I have to kind of just resign myself to the fact that you know that's just kind of how these shows work that's kind of how these stories work um but i think i got invested with them kind of maybe making star trek feel more grounded that i was expecting them to be more kind of clever with it you know and not falling into something that the shows and, and the earlier movies did so I think that's where it's kind of getting to me but <laughs> I think that is that is a fair point because if there was something that Star Trek 2009 did did do quite well it is kind of realize things and I mean yeah. that in the sense of very few things felt particularly overly fantastical, yet this is still a Star Trek movie. Yeah. You know, this is still a heavy sci-fi thing. But you did feel a, a connection to many of the things in that movie. And I think that has a lot to do with the basic story, really, of Star Trek through 2009 being an origin, being a character origin. Rather than really, really a major story about anything else, yes, Eric Barner as Nero is there because you have to have a villain, but that's not the focus of the movie, really, is it? Yeah. The coming together of the characters are. In this, this is very much a villain-focused movie. This is very much that. Um, I am at risk, Janine, 
of getting into <laughs> I know. Getting major really conversations about, yeah. about Into Darkness because there is one thing we have to do before we really delve into this movie. That is, of course, say a big thank you to all our patrons of It's a Wonderful Podcast, yes. as we do every single week on an episode of the show. Because they're wonderful people. If you they would are. like to join the patrons, go to patreon.com slash it's a wonderful one or just type it's a wonderful podcast into Patreon and find the tier that is right for you. We have a whole bunch of fun stuff that we do on the Patreon live streams, polls, videos, extra videos, uh, extra artwork from Janine, all sorts of stuff that we have yeah. over there. Including, of course, these nice shout-out thank-yous. So we will start, Janine, with who? A huge thank you to Marie Zambino. And thank you to Adam Witt. Thank you to Michael Smith. Thank you, Maxwell Haddad. Thank you, Amber Coates. Thank you to Abby Friel. Thank you, Ferris Muthana. Thank you to 90s Comics Box, Janine's big brother, Justin. Thank you, Video Drew. Thank you to Adelaide. Thank you, Christina Farrow. Thank you, Marcus Burton. Thank you to a movie for Nobi Steve. Thank you, Samir Tesfai. Thank you, Patrick Harden. Thank you to John Mariano. Thank you, Carla Fies. Thank you, Delisha Butler. Thank you, GG. Thank you to the great Ken Napsock. Thank you to Tom and Kimber of the Odd Shape Channel. And thank you, of course, to Billy Pollahan. Yes, Janine. Success. Wonderful Yay. patrons that they are. I have now forgotten what I was talking about. Yeah. I believe you were talking about Khan and this being a very villain-centric film. Well, yes, it was. It was. Because it really hinges on everything to do with Khan. And I may... I, brought up the point last week and i really hate this no benedict cumberbatch isn't playing khan at all benedict are you playing khan in this new star trek movie no i've never heard of khan in my entire yeah. life who's khan jj <laughs> abrams is benedict playing khan in this new star trek movie no no i've never heard of khan what is khan that doesn't exist lies and i hate it yes they for whatever reason, I guess they were worried that like fans weren't going to be upset or something. So they decided to keep that part of it a secret and just have him, you know, so in press and things. He said, I'm just John Harrison. I'm just this villain called John Harrison. Janine, <laughs> so... people are going to be more upset if you tell them he's not in a movie and then he's in the movie because at least people can expect it then. Yeah, so I don't People know why J.J. Abrams felt like such a he needed to. Villain. Yeah, I don't know why they felt the need for the secrecy. I don't know because I think they were originally looking at, um, like I guess Latin actors to play Khan. Yeah, um, you know, just to go with Ricardo Montalban, but you know he is kind of an another be, kind of being so i don't think it really matters what his race is so they that's no, why they ultimately I, I, went with benedict cumberbatch so i don't know if it was them kind of worried about 
people thinking, oh, you know, they cast a white British guy to be Khan, and it's that's not a Ricardo Montalban type. I don't know if that was in their minds, but they just chose to keep that a secret, you know, I that, guess. Even that doesn't make sense. I, I guess, I don't know if it was just, you know, it's J.J. Abrams, he loved his, his kind of mystery box element, so I don't know if he just felt like that would be a fun twist reveal kind of thing. Um, I have to assume, yeah. I have to assume it's I that. I don't think it was Because right to allegedly or not to not allegedly to supposedly market the movie with benedict cumberbatch <clears throat> playing somebody and then it turning out in the movie he is Khan. that's going to annoy more people than just saying he is Khan in the first place because then people can get any problems they have out of the system four months five months before the movie comes out Rather yeah, than and, having and all this negativity <laughs> right when the movie is out. Yeah, and they could have done a lot of kind of reminding that, well, this is a different timeline version, so it's not exactly. going to be the con that you remember. His journey is not going to be the same. His reasoning might not be as exactly the same. This He's is going to be incredibly... Look, I have thoughts about Benedict Cumberbatch as Khan. I have thoughts in general about Benedict Cumberbatch as villains, Janine, but where do you think he stands? Do you think he's a good villain, first and foremost, in this movie? But do you think he is a he is a good Khan for this particular version of Star Trek? Well, I... This was the first time I'd seen Benedict Cumberbatch in anything. For me, 2013 was the year of the hot British villain. <laughs> yes. I literally, all around the same time, had seen... Uh, Thor the Dark World with Tom Hiddleston. Uh, I think Fast and Furious 6 with Luke Evans, which was the um. first time I'd seen him. And I was like, okay. And <laughs> this movie, like all around the same time. So I'm like, what is happening right now? Um, and I thought he was very menacing. He was very um, kind of scary. Um, he was able to kind of, you know, he was very stoic and serious. But when he like oddly showed emotion like you saw kind of tears streaming down his face talking about he would do anything for his crew but still kind of having this cold menace but like you still somehow were able to feel something for that you know and, and kind of put him in the shoes of Kirk and and feel something for him in that moment so the way that he was able to kind of play it very kind of cold and menacing the whole time but still somehow get some emotion to feel and sympathize with him um was very eerie and brilliant i thought so i thought he made a very kind of strong opposing villain and i i you know so the con thing was just kind of stupid to even try to try to hide that um, you know what else is stupid because you already have a bigger kind of more interesting kind of twist which is it, it wasn't a huge like surprise but i think it was a more interesting twist with um with uh, marcus kind of coming in and really being the the kind of kicking off of 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 some of the villainy that's happening in this movie so yes the uh, um, the, the the admiral yes uh a robocop being evil um so i feel like definitely that was kind of the more interesting twist that they should have been working to kind of cover uh, yeah. up it uh, felt than, than the con thing, but ultimately, would that have been a twist? Because how many? It must be two or three times now in the Star Trek movies that an admiral of Starfleet <laughs> has accidentally <laughs> been a villain. 
That is true. That is true. Whether they know it or not, they're secretly oh, yeah. helping the villains. And it I mean, seems, Peter it Weller, to have happened a number of times. looks kind of evil. So he does um, a little bit, yes, <laughs> and his voice and everything. Um, but I agree with you. That could have been a really good twisty plot point had they wanted to focus. And they wanted more to put more that. energy into kind of you know making that a bigger reveal than the con thing. When it comes to Benedict Cumberbatch, I, I I like Benedict Cumberbatch. I think he's got a very particular style of playing villains where all of a sudden he turns into some sort of snarling lion. And he, yeah. he doesn't seem to speak any of his words or even shout any he of his words. He growls them. He snarls them. I'm going to keep using yeah. snarl. Because it's not even a growl, because it's not <laughs> gravelly enough to be a growl. It's a smooth snarl, as though he's just, as though he's literally a lion, which is weird as as well when you compare it to Ricardo Montalban, who actually looks like a lion with his massive mane and grey hair. <laughs> but this version of Khan, I think, fits really well for this version of Star Trek. As yeah. you said, he's cold a lot of the time. He wears these block black colours rather than Ricardo Montalban's incredibly eccentric looking chest yes. out outfit. He either has a very clean cut, slicked back hair or, you know, when he's kind of getting into action and things, he's got these emo like wet bangs in his yeah. face and it's just very intense. And it's, yeah. <laughs> It speaks to sleekness. It speaks to kind of a clean look. And a very block color look, a cold look yeah. that I that w was one of my complaints with the Enterprise so when, itself. Yeah. You know, <laughs> when I was getting it, it's very, it's, there's no, there's very little color, even maybe I'm just again more used to just watching older Star Trek, but even the next generation, I still think, has this, even the colors of the gold, the reds, the blues of the starfleet shirts they don't feel as bright and popping as they should do i don't think in these movies maybe that's and that's it's a total and, person and, and yeah like i think that plays into what i was talking about of this world just kind of feeling more grounded and real um because you're not going to get to any it feels kind of sleeker and cleaner yes yes it's and a so different I feel like visual style in the real world you're not going to get into any kind of um, not militarized, but like, you know, organized kind of uh, official commander, admiral type kind of group of people with bright colors like that, you know? Like, you're not going to go to a Navy base and see people <laughs> like super bright colors. So I think the colors are there to just kind of distinguish. So they kind of have even grounded like the uniforms in a sense that it's not going to be this flashy kind of thing for TV. I get that. You know? I do. You know, I do so I think it's that. it's just the whole streamlining of making this world feel a little like a little more realistic. I still personally <laughs> prefer the other version and the other yes. style. And I just do. I, I do. I have nothing against. Well, you are definitely a turtleneck and blazers kind of guy. So, I obviously, you know. <laughs> obviously. You definitely are all about the 60s and 70s style of things I, and colors. Those I fall have nothing, tones. <laughs> I have nothing against these movies that J.J. Abrams made. Because I think, I think these are both the ones that we've talked about so far pretty good movies yeah i would certainly go i would certainly probably say that i 
preferred <laughs> Star Trek 2009 to this movie. Yeah. But I think true. that does have things to do with unnecessary story convolution that this movie has. Yeah. And the fact that Benedict Cumberbatch just becomes a snarling lion as opposed to what seems like an actual villain. It is... I don't want to call it an issue. I think calling it an issue is too harsh, but it is something I notice a lot with Benedict Cumberbatch when he's when he's angry in a role. He can't shout, so he snarls, and it takes me out of it because that's... I notice it so much. <laughs> I think he just feels like it's a different choice to to portray menacing because everyone who's kind of angry yells, or Look. anyone who's trying to be intimidating yells. So what can I do that's different but still very kind of scary? So I think that's where he I get it. goes to the Smaug type. It does. I look. I absolutely get it. I remember all those weeks ago talking about Christopher Lloyd in the search for Spock and saying he barked every line he delivered yeah. because he does because that's his way of speaking. That's his way yeah. of being intense, and this is Cumberbatch's way of being intense. Um, I think he's an incredibly dynamic calm though. Like, he's yes, able to be explosive while he's nowhere. He's not got the charisma of Ricardo Montalban. He's not got this kind of... He doesn't feel as calm to me as Ricardo Montalban did. Ricardo Montalban always felt like he could just chill out and still know he was going to win the day. Like, he would sit on his chair in more of a relaxed fashion than Kirk sits yeah. on his chair. You know what I mean? Yes. I don't he, think he knew Benedict, he had higher ground. Mm -hmm. Exactly. I don't think Benedict Cumberbatch's version of Khan here is built for sitting comfortably on a chair. He's a very rigid individual. Yeah, almost robotic. Yeah. Um, but he still kind of lords that that um kind of winning attitude towards Kirk. He like does. knowing more about his ship and knowing what's going on and um, you know, kind of mocking Kirk for punching him and punching him and punching him and, and uh, until his, you know, fist is raw and and not, not accomplishing anything. But it, it's this almost, like you said, cold, almost emotionless, while yeah. being emotional, kind of style and kind of character interpretation, which is sig so significantly different to Ricardo Montalban's kind of lounging about yes. winning Kirk. What are you talking about? Get on screen. I know I'm winning. I'm just going to fall asleep and eat a grape in this chair. Bye. <laughs> yeah. It's With that kind of... out, chilling. Yeah. My, yeah. <laughs> Look at all this chest hair I have, Shatner. You don't have anywhere near as much chest hair as me. Ha 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 ha. Look at what you did to my people. I'm going to kill you for it. And it's, yes. it's that kind of situation where as... You know, Benedict Cumberbatch's Khan comes across about as light and comedic as Robert Pattinson's Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yes. Uh, but I think it kind of just speaks to, like, what we've noticed about these villains. Like, we've said that several times before, where, um, you know, the villains kind of are just motivated by a single-minded idea um, that feels noble to them um, that's you know based off of their circumstances and it's kind of just a situation you know 
I don't really need to hurt you or bring you into this, but you're in my way. So yeah, I'm mean, if I have to wipe you out, I'm going to wipe you out. I'm not going to show you mercy. You know, I, I, it's just, you're in my way. Yeah. I need to get to what I need to get to. And I think that's kind of a theme with a lot of these villains. Like, you know, they're not just being bad to be bad. There is that kind of personal motivation there. There is that difference with Khan, though, is that he is a manufactured being. You yes, know, he's not kind of just disturbed yeah. for, you know, means of a man and means of Starfleet and an exile. You know. His pain and want for kind of destruction comes from his being exiled and he's being forgotten about. And, he, yeah. you know, he and his people, which is, is similar. But it always, I think, is elevated a little bit more with Khan when you think that he is a manufactured being. He's an ex enhanced person who was created. You know, he doesn't, he's not a human being. So yeah. that's why he has these, some would say, superpowers <laughs> that don't really exist in the world of Star Trek because when we're dealing with potentially oh, stronger beings, it's an alien. Yeah. You know, it's an, it's, it's not a, an enhanced human. Khan is the most comic book character in Star Trek. Yeah. And, you know, I think that comes across in, in, in this movie with his kind of heightened strength and heightened intellect and all this kind of stuff. It just seemed to feel like, I suppose in the wrath of Khan, that Khan was more of a displaced person rather than, and you understood him a bit more. Yeah. I view Benedict Cumberbatch's Khan in a less sympathetic way because he does just sometimes come across like a supervillain. manufactured and uh, this manufactured human who's not, you know, real, yeah. you know, yeah, and, exactly. and the fact that he doesn't really show a lot of personal emotions except when so that's why i think the one time it's kind of jarring to you and you can kind of maybe think there's a glimmer of something there is when you see that tear fall when he's talking yes, to his crew definitely and he looks to kirk and then you can kind of put him in the shoes of kirk and be like okay maybe there's something here um only for that to kind of be subverted again and him to go back to this cold kind of vengeful yeah know, villain. and don't don't get me wrong i think he's very very good at playing intense very very and very very good for this movie um he totally elevates you know this version of khan totally elevates the kind of last third of the movie yeah. when it gets super action-packed and really really high stakes and yeah. it works you entirely believe that and it wouldn't have had you had a little bit more of a little bit more levity with Khan. Now it's unfortunate, I think, and they had to throw it in there that they have to throw the the big shout of Khan in this movie. <laughs> yes. Because and the name reveal, like I am and the Khan. name reveal, yeah, <laughs> and the name reveal. Yes. Now the the switch up to have Kirk sacrifice himself again. It's kind of something to be expected we're dealing with alternate universe but yeah it's, a, it's still you know a 
pretty significantly emotional scene. You feel the emotion between Kirk and Spock in that scene. And it, considering they set it up. You know. We've not had anywhere near the same level of time we had with Shatner and Leonard Nimoy when they filmed yes. their scene in Wrath of Calm. Because at this point, we're just led to believe that they've been friends for years, they've worked together forever and all of this, but this is really like, you know, them kind of still growing this friendship. And they've set it up since the beginning that, you know, when Kirk saves Spock and Spock is just so logical about it, he can't understand why it's such yeah. a big deal for Kirk that he saved him. And um, so then this is kind of brings that full circle to him, you know, realizing you saved me because you care about me. You saved me because I'm your friend. Yeah, it's a different And, and so he kind of type. needed that to happen to to understand why Kirk did what he did for him. Exactly. When he's it's about a different... to lose Kirk. Yeah, it's a different reason for yeah. the emotion. It's not losing an old friend. It's realizing that you are my friend. Yeah, that's uh, why it wasn't that that the the you know because like I think maybe people were expecting that line you know uh, yeah I, friendship I, line but I think like sense. you can't say that because you know that it hasn't it, that's used to describe a long standing yes. friendship and this is still fairly new. So. But they had the little Vulcan salute, and they had the little through the glass. Through the glass, yeah. Yes, it was. It it worked. It worked as an alternate version of it for this movie. But Zachary Quinto shouting Khan just took me out of it. <laughs> it's like every time you I watch it, throw it I in wanna, there, didn't you? Why is it in there? And every time I watch it, I want to get behind it. I want to think it's a cool moment. I want to think it's a great callback. I always get myself there. I'm like, okay, I think I'm, I'm going to enjoy this because I get what they're trying to do. I get the fan service here. I get that it's the switch of this moment, you know, and, and we just have this greatly performed scene between the two of them. The thing okay, is, it's coming. I'm going to, I'm going to enjoy it this time. And then they do it. And I'm just like, eh. the thing <laughs> is, like every time is that scene in the wrath of Khan doesn't come at that moment no it doesn't so I it think comes way maybe, before yeah so maybe that's why it doesn't work and also that's like a, a very mocked kind of moment it is, in, in, <laughs> it is. It's not and the thing is for seriousness like i think you know it, like well, maybe it was yes. meant to but because of how kirk delivers it and everything and the shaking and <laughs> like all of that it's, it's so the mean. fact it's, the, it's the this, actual it's, frame shakes it's not yeah. just like and, and they come back and it's gone. Shatner's shaking his fist and the frame of the movie shakes. And then the Enterprise shakes. And then the world shakes. <laughs> and then the universe shakes. And you just keep hearing gar echoes gone. <laughs> yes. Gone. It's, like, it's been memed. It's been mocked. It's been gift. All of that. So um, to kind of try to, you know, you have this very emotional scene between the two and they perform it so well, these two actors. And then to throw that line in there, like I always feel like the build of the scene okay maybe it'll work this time in my head and then it just doesn't and I'm just, it just requires <laughs> a little bit of a sense of <clears throat> we are making a movie to entertain people and we know yeah. we are making a movie to entertain people because this is something that no real person would ever do ever yeah particularly like shatner delivers that but because of the tone of these movies, these J. J. Abrams movies, that style of somewhat goofiness doesn't play. Which they had to do it. So I don't I don't, you know, judge them for having done it 
because they had to do it. Yeah. But I, uh, I, I genuinely think it would have felt better if they hadn't. Yeah, but I, I don't know. I guess they were just like recon story iconic. That's a big part point in the movie that people remember. Because like even me not having seen Wrath of Khan at that time when I saw this in the theaters, I still knew about that. Car, <laughs> yes. I can't do it. <clears throat> I can't do it at all. I'm, I'm not, not even going to try it. again. <laughs> but um but again i think we continue with this crew you feel a bit lived in with them that they are kind of really building this really great chemistry with each other and again no one gets really sidelined they are making up for what the original show did and giving everybody a a shining moment you know we have uhura standing up to the klingon klingons we have uh, which we can i speak about the klingons we do get to see the klingons (laughs) i really don't like the way the klingons look at all no why the the they do what things do, don't they, though, Janine? They try and make the Klingons look a little bit more like people. If you're going to do ridge foreheads, actually look, make it look like they've got a ridge on the forehead. Stop trying to half-CG people. No, this is like makeup. The, if you watch the like the behind the scenes, they it, did a lot of even with aliens that are just in the background that don't have any speaking, like, they like did full-on insane makeup on these people they cast people with body types to fit these types of aliens like they put a lot of thought so i don't okay okay i'm just i'm just saying i watched a lot of behind the scenes stuff on these and they put a lot of work into really like heavy makeup and and practical things and so i don't i wouldn't say that there was too much cgi on these people okay okay well that is admittedly something (laughs) oh it was then it was simply then just a design choice i want klingons to look like wharf and they didn't look anything like wharf you know they were too clean everything's too clean in this movie in these movies it's a visual and again it's a visual style decision it's an aesthetic that they kind of just want to go with and uh yeah i think it's just more this more grounded realistic kind of feeling idea of that these things could really exist type situation so could wolf not really exist could christopher Plummer the klingon not really exist (laughs) could christopher lloyd the klingon not really exist Sure, they could, but they look like how Klingons have looked for for years. Yeah, no, I get that. I get that. But um, (laughs) to go back to what I was saying, yes, um, sorry, yes, no, no, because it was like I think people were waiting to see the Klingons, so it was definitely kind of curious to see what your thoughts would be because we've seen plenty of Klingons through mm. this this uh, run through of this series. So, you know, it was interesting to see the new iteration of the Klingons. Yeah, and um, I, I should just say as well that I did not feel that for the Romulans in the last movie. I thought they looked great. Yeah, there was a lot of kind of thought behind like tattoos and, and yeah. kind of how, what they were going to do with their hair and all of these things. So yeah, they really put a lot of thought into things like that. So uh, really interesting to, to kind of see their take on the Klingons, considering that they're probably the most iconic this is... alien race in the world of Star Trek. You um, know, this is just me now wanting though, Janine. It's, it's wanting, and I know because we spoke about it, I know it would be difficult to do a fourth movie without one significant cast yeah. member. But imagine, you know, 
this J.J. Abrams visual style version of the Borg and just think how not as good that would be. Yeah, because like it would it's look not going to be this dirty, like hatched together, you know, just industrial you know, feeling yeah. horror movie. It's going to be parts onto humans and yeah. Yeah. Um, it would be very clean and extremely like pulled flesh and, you know, you're pulled not flesh and that. wires flickering and yeah, sparks and, like, everywhere. Nasty and... kind of hooks hooking the stretching the human flesh to fit with these like mechanical parts. Yeah. Um, definitely would have would would have loved to see kind of this modern version of the Borg. Just because I love the Borg. <laughs> yeah, it's so good. Um, but yeah, everyone does get a, a really great moment to kind of shine, like Uhura with you know standing up to the Klingons and um, you know Scotty getting this whole like you know I'm not going to sign for these torpedoes. This is against what I believe in. So I you know I'm giving you my resignation, and then he ends up kind of being the one to kind of sneak on. Uh, Peter Weller's ship and and yeah. saving the day and uh, um, uh, Sulu he gets to captain the ship for a little bit oh, and, and give a kind of menacing uh, speech and I love that Bones is kind of like because at first Bones was like no he's no captain like why are you going to leave him in charge and then he leaves this ship about like don't mess with me and then Bones is like oh remind me not to piss you off and then he gives a little Sulu gets a little smirk like oh, I love that so much so like everybody gets a little moment and then we actually get Carol Marcus who we do to us in, in the original oh my god series, Janine so. she, she, she actually does things in this movie as yes. well She's not just like she was in the Wrath of Khan just yeah, being and there I, <laughs> Exactly. And I like the conflict that, you know, this man who's kind of causing all this trouble, Starfleet leader is her father. So there's that conflict there and she's willing to stand up against him and tell him, you know, if you're going to blow up this ship, you're going to blow me along with it. I can't understand why the how this man who raised me could be capable of such things. And like, so I love her standing up to him. I love the kind of undercover like her, you know, going against him and, and the reveal that she's his daughter and the ridiculous gratuitous her in her underwear for no reason at all for no but... reason at all why <laughs> why is it in there janine who knows and it was if that part was even in the trailer that was in the oh, trailer as well alice even her underwear um why um but yeah so definitely more to do than the original carol marcus um and uh yeah, so I think that was a nice kind of setup there of like, oh, potential, you know, let's run off and have a son together who ends up getting killed by, <laughs> um, by, by Christopher Lloyd's right hand man and causing us to not like the Klingons <laughs> so much that we invite them to <laughs> a really awkward dinner with Christopher Plummer. Yes, I will never so... forgive you for killing my boy. Yeah, so I like that we get a character like that introduced and, you know, they didn't like outright make this kind of romance happen, but there was kind of a little bit of like chemistry there. So yeah. you could believe that, you know, in this timeline as well, that could happen. So I like that they didn't just outright make it some kind of romance, you know, and to distract from kind of everything else that was going on and everything that Kirk was kind of dealing with because he's also like playing it really well where he's just kind of not dealing with his grief like he's lost his father figure in pike yeah and, definitely. you know they they have you know and also the whole thing of him actually you know getting reprimanded and getting punished for his actions like he's this rebel he thinks he knows all he thinks he's infallible he thinks he's you know he can't die and all of these things and his no-win situations um 
And I like that he actually gets punished for that. Like the enterprise gets taken away from him and he has to deal with those consequences. But then Pike sits him down and they have a real talk. And he's like, I still want you as my first commander. I see something in you, but you got to kind of learn to, you know, humble yourself a little yeah. bit. And so, so I like that they gave him like some really, it didn't feel forced. It felt like some really kind of solid moments with Pike um, because you got that in the first movie. So it's not like yeah. we're shooing in this father figure just so that when he dies, it means something we got enough of that in the first film that this felt like a logical relationship that they would have. Yeah. Um, and it did actually mean when, something when he did die, when, you died, know, because, yeah, blew and everyone was, up. Yeah. And he was the one who got him into Starfleet in the first place. So yeah. to lose him and then him just right jump back into, you know, then you kind of see the switch go off in him where, you know, he's kind of trying to be like Spock and turn off his feelings. And he's just kind of got vengeance on the brain. So it Those feels really a lot like moments, it know. feels a lot kind of like Kirk when he kind of has that vengeful side in Undiscovered Country and he's just like, I don't care, yeah. I don't trust the Klingons. And so you get that you know you feel like it might feel out of character, but you know, we've seen it before with Kirk. And so we've seen him kind of have this vengeful, one-minded kind of situation in his head where he's not yeah, really because kind he's of, you know it's like I spoke about last week. He is very loyal to those who do good by him yeah. so he will absolutely fight to the death for for you if you've done right by him which yes. pike has all has always done even when he's been angry exactly. in the so you know in these him. movies exactly he is instantly ready for vengeance when he's lost and it. the fact Instantly. that he plays it so well yeah he in the he plays it so well that he's just like turning off his emotions he's not you know bones is worried about him and everyone's worried about him and he's just like i'm fine i'm fine yeah and then you know so him having to kind of deal with that and then you kind of see him unleash that when he's just punching and punching and punching uh con um so yeah it's... i liked seeing that side of him really have to deal with that and kind of you know losing his father figure so i liked that plot element as well to kind of drive you know this this version of kirk it's what makes those character scenes between him and spock where the question of how do you close off your feelings yeah. is asked it makes those because that happens two or three times in this movie at various points in particular in the you know the the, the death scene between the glass it is yeah. Spock, this really hurts. How do you not feel things? And Spock's like, at this point, I'm having, a, I'm struggling right now. I'm struggling. Yeah. 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 I, I don't know how right now. But these and really the significant dilemma. moments, I really like those. Yeah. I really like and, those know, scenes between the two of them. They really feel like they mean a lot to either party. Yes. In this and movie. like, I think even just a little moment with Uhura just being mad at him that he was just willing to die. Yes. Um, and without giving them a thought, and he kind of had to explain his whole thought process behind that. And so you get kind of a little insight on, you know, it wasn't that he didn't care. It was just, it was easier for him to just turn it off and not think about that for the greater good. Um, and, and even just that why... whole beginning <laughs> situation with uh, um, the Prime Directive and, and them kind of breaking that at the very beginning of this movie. Um, just kind of getting a reminder of that. We're not, we're not <laughs> talking about the stupid Prime Directive anymore. <laughs> After Insurrection, yeah. Janine, I'm sick to death of the Prime Directive. 
and all of it. So we, but we can't at least they've acknowledged. Directive. At least they've acknowledged that they've actually broken it, and there were consequences. That's why you lost the enterprise because they broke the directive. Well, surely you know. Never mind what Picard was doing then. Picard was yeah. fully aware. You want to lose the Enterprise, Picard? No. You've broke the Prime Directive. Several times, Jean-Luc. <laughs> Many dozens of times, Jean-Luc. No, I haven't. Yes, you I have. Know what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're in here. So all of your, it's all of your captain's log, Jean-Luc. Uh, okay. <laughs> Earl Grey, please. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yes, so consequences for breaking the Prime Directive. But yeah, him kind of, uh, Uhura just kind of seeing it as him, just not caring about, you know, what would happen to her, what would happen to them. Yes. Um, and this and is him what kind I was of having to, to explain a little bit of his insight. This is why Spock as a romantic lead is a little bit unusual for me, because you just expect a little bit of an explanation or a little bit of a, you know tell uhura that i love her or whatever it may be you, you, you not just like okay yeah i'm happy to die she's not vulcan spock she's not gonna yeah. realize <laughs> have a bit of sense sometimes spock's an idiot you know what i mean when it comes to like yeah. relations with other people sometimes he's just he's he not just all there yeah he does he not doesn't... get it yeah and this has been the case since the mid-60s, so it's a consistent thing. Yes, which I liked. It's... I liked Kirk's frustration, which sometimes I just want to rip the bangs off his head. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can see why Bones get so annoyed with him all the time. Yes, which I think that's definitely going to come up a lot in Beyond. There's a oh, kind good. of scene where they're stuck together. Oh, good. So, because yeah. once again, Carl Urban's absolutely so nailing great. it. My, one of my favourite ones I remember throughout this whole series we've been on is, I'm a doctor, not a torpedo technician. <laughs> yeah, that was a good one. What? Uh, Why yes. do you have to say you're a doctor, but not a torpedo <laughs> technician? Just say, I don't know how to work that. No, it has to be, I'm a doctor, not a torpedo technician. And, like, that is the one callback that could come off, just like, oh, okay, just stop. But it works every time, no matter what. Because Carl Urban's just great as <laughs> He's bones. He's so good. He's great. He's really He's just great. naturally, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't have big moments, but he's just constantly there for a little bit of a grouchy quip. And yes. you appreciate that about him, because that's just comes what in Bones is think. there for. Yeah. Exactly. That's all Bones has really mostly kind of ever been there for. He's just to say, Spock, you're an idiot. I hate, I hate space. <laughs> you green-blooded I don't want to be here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, come on. I'll I'll make you better. Give me some medicine. Yes, yeah. I can do it. Don't worry. Shut yeah. up. Don't don't say thank you to me. I'm just doing it. Yeah. You really care, don't you, Leonard McCoy? No, not really. Don't care at all. Yes, you do. Yeah. He's he's literally he will never admit that he actually cares about anything, and I just love that about I know, but you can tell that Bones. he does. Yeah. Yeah. I always love that about Bones. Chekhov gets his kind of assignment to take over Scotty's role, doesn't he? Yes. Kind of... And he ends up saving them when they're kind of falling off that whole kind of uh walkway. Yeah. 
So Anton Yelchin gets to sprint around an engineering room a lot rather than just sit yeah. in a chair. So that's nice. It's like get on your red shirt and go to engineering. <laughs> to which point you're thinking, oh no. Well, red shirt. <laughs> oh no. Don't don't put him in a red shirt. That's a little bit seems a little bit sad, really, that now, doesn't it? Putting Anton Yelchin in a red shirt. We all know what happens to red shirts, Janine. Yeah. It seems a little do. bit like tempting fate there. I don't know why I'm not making I'm not making a joke about Anton Yelchin's <laughs> no, tragic no. passing, am I? Surely not. No. It's incredibly unnecessary for me to do. But it was a little bit tempting fate. I just yeah. had to, it just felt I, 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 I know, I know. I saw you kind of think of make the thought. Oh dear. Um but yeah, I mean I don't I think it was just kind of this build up and the the um, kind of ridiculous, unnecessary deception of oh yeah, this is not con that that really just put a lot of stigma on this movie. But once you watch it, like it's there are good. some really great things there. It's a good movie. It is not it is. a bad movie. Um, I don't think it's great as again. good. It looks I... great. I don't think it's it's good. But like you feel, you know, you feel like you believe that this crew is could grow into the crew that we know um you see again though we should the say chemistry the standing up together like i love the, the movies the most when they all kind of say you know screw whatever is happening screw yeah. what starfleet is telling us screw you know whatever we're gonna we know what's right and we're gonna stand together and, and yeah. do our thing so i love when you know the crew kind of and you feel that in this movie so you do I love those moments. you do that's what we particularly love about the search for spock and the undiscovered countries, they're very much rogue things. Yeah. Um, less so insurrection. <laughs> less so insurrection, Janine, with the, the Next Generation crew, because that's also a very similar situation. Yeah. Really, them, them going rogue and doing their own thing. But maybe it's just something about, you know, Kirk, Spock, and that crew that is different to yeah. the Picard, Riker and everybody else crew. Yes. They just they just feel a little bit more rebellious naturally. Yeah, without uh the the uh, pheromones from a youth-giving planet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they have to they have to go to the weird planet. We should also I should also say that while while I don't think, you know, Into Darkness is as is as good as 2009 was it's certainly a hell of a lot better than Insurrection and Nemesis. Yes, most like, definitely. For, you know, for the <laughs> most recent Star Trek movies. So you've got to give it credit for doing that. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I liked this movie. Again, I, I'm not so sure why. And, you know, we brought it up at the very beginning. It was strange to me to hear that people weren't so keen on this one. Yeah, Original. I think it's just the con stuff and like maybe feeling like, yeah, why are they trying to hide this from us? Why are they just trying to redo Wrath of Khan and it's not the same? And and just forgetting the timeline aspect of this is not the original. Yeah. This is a alternate version of, of events. You know, I think it's because, time. you know, unfortunately, it doesn't say in this movie, does it, that, you know, it doesn't remind us that we're in an alternate timeline. Yeah. Not that it should need to, but it doesn't. Leonard Nimoy's in there again on a little screen. No, he's not like Yes. He didn't want to come back. There. And they asked Shatner to come back as well. And when he said declined, 
they, you know, they asked Leonard Nimoy if he came back in this small kind of on-screen. Shatner, Shatner comes through the thing. Shatner's supposed to be dead. What happened? What about generations? He wrote a book. Apparently, he wrote like a a. I don't know if it was a book or like you know one of those kinds of like in between yeah no like he wrote a star wars story a star wars story a star a star trek story that (laughs) brought him unusual a star trek story that brought him back to life oh of course he did yes so he he wrote a novelization of some storyline where kirk actually comes back to life so you could have got do with that what you will Look, I just I I like that Leonard Nimoy showed up for that one little scene again. Yeah, and he was like, I don't know if I want to come back, and so yeah, they got him to at least just do that I mean, one little. Yeah, which is 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 nice. You get the kind of explanation as to what they are to expect with Khan. Yes, and he didn't reveal too much, you know. He didn't. Yeah, he didn't. At great cost is all he said, you know. But I suppose that's really the only indication you get as a reminder that we're in an alternate yeah. universe. So I'm like that they, they kind of threw that in there to remind you that you know this is not the same con. This is a different con obviously because we hear him talking about the con that we know. Yeah. You know. But yeah it's uh it was good. It was yeah. good Janine. I enjoy so I enjoyed so I'm sure you like the, the 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 not greatest expectations kind of going into this with what you had heard and seen and all of that. So well, I I'm almost feeling that towards Beyond. I heard people didn't like Beyond. Hmm. But well, I mean, I think I'd it was also a little... heard that um, <laughs> weirdly, and I know this kind of phrasing and this kind of mentality is very very annoying, and it is because I find it very annoying as well. But I had heard that. You know, Star Trek fans were fans of Star Trek Beyond, but those who came to be Star Trek fans oh, during the J.J. Abrams movies were not fans of Star Trek Beyond. Well, as someone who fits into that second <laughs> vein of people, I enjoyed Beyond. Okay. Yes, I liked There was a really fun callback to the first movie. Um, the think- first movie? Yes, the first the, movie, two thousand nine, the two thousand nine. Oh, the two. Oh, I'm gonna say yes. the the motion <laughs> no, no, picture. No, where, <laughs> no, no, whatever he's. I forget his name. What's his name? Decker, where he becomes yes. Jesus at the end of the movie. <laughs> Essentially, yes. Um, no, the two thousand nine. So there's a okay. really kind of fun callback to that. Um, it just all I think is a solid villain. He's always kind of a solid villain in anything. He is. Um, we get a new he's someone who does not kind of... annoy me when he's a villain. <laughs> we get a kind of new alien who's really cool and kind of joins helping them out. Okay, like everyone kind of gets separated on this alien planet, so it's like different teams of kind of people trying to figure stuff out. So there's a lot and of like cool Bones elements here. Yes, of course. Uh, yes, and I so I think yeah, this was the one not directed by JJ Abrams. I believe it was Justin Lin of Fast and Furious. Ah, so definitely see. has a quicker, more actiony kind of style to it, but still has has the bones of those first two movies. Because I think JJ was maybe a producer still on this. No. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I had a lot of fun with with Beyond. So I hope you'll enjoy it as well. We'll see. Yes. Well, that is what is coming up next week, Janine, as the yeah. last episode. In the Star Trek series 
Lord Morgan hasn't seen. Ooh. I can't tell you how much fun I've had. And it's not yeah, over yet. We have one that more one more episode. <laughs> and I'm certainly looking forward to watching and talking about Star Trek Beyond. It's going to be fun, but it is going to be sad. Oh. And I will try and have to think about a full, as much as it's incredibly always difficult for me to rank things. You know, there's 13 movies this year yeah. for me to rank, Janine. That's... <laughs> Not easy. Yeah. It's not going to be easy. But I'll I might just give it a good shot next week when I watch Beyond. Yeah. And throw the Wrath of Khan in there as well, even though we didn't dedicate an episode to it because there was already a Morgan hasn't seen episode. There was. There was. So go back and find that when we talk about movies based on TV shows. Yes. But there we go. Janine, is there anything else you would like to say about this movie? Um, <laughs> it, I mean, it makes sense. Yes, fair enough. I can't argue with it, Janine. I had to give it a I shot. Can't argue with it at all. There we go for this week's episode of Morgan hasn't seen. It is not the only show you can find on the It's a Wonderful Podcast feed. We have It's a Wonderful Podcast itself, the main show, every Friday where we celebrate old movies, we discover new old movies, we give old movies a voice a place to showcase themselves and for us to just talk about them chilled out conversations celebrating old movies that is what we love to do on the main show every single friday on it's a wonderful podcast this show every wednesday and a monday show that is coming back very very soon while it may not be machine Mondays, <laughs> the machine, as in yourself, Janine. Yes, we'll be back on shows on Monday, so it's kind of the same thing, right? Okay. Don't know how much schmodown may be involved in the new Monday show, but keep an eye out for any little clues, any little announcements, any little things like that that you may be seeing in the the coming weeks. Won't be too long off though, I don't think, Janine. Or I certainly hope no. it won't be too long off. But for the moment, we still have you covered Wednesday, Friday on It's a Wonderful Podcast. You can find the show everywhere. Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Castbox, Amazon Music, everywhere else as well. You can get your podcasts. We've already spoken about the Patreon, but we also have the YouTube channel, Janine. It's a wonderful podcast on YouTube for you to go and subscribe to. Ding your notification bells on for all the watch-alongs, the live discussions, the fun videos we have on there and have coming to there as well. You can find the show on Twitter at It's a Wonderful One. Find me on Twitter at The Purple Don with a three instead of the E in there because, Janine. Three is the magic number. On Instagram at just the purple Don. All your can stuff is where I can't do it. I feel like I'm when I'm gonna shout, it's just gonna break the microphone. Just try to snarl and maybe you'll get it. Um, I can't snarl. <laughs> you can find me at Janine Devine underscore on Twitter, Janine Devine on Instagram and TikTok. And if you want to get any merch for any of our shows, you can find that at my T Public shop at g9design.tpublic.com. Also, if you want to purchase any of my art in print form, you can find that at my big cartel shop, g9design.bigcartel.com. Well, 
There we go. Janine, pick something. Perhaps a Benedict Cumberbatch snarl or Klingon again. If you can remember what 3 2 1 is in Klingon. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Three. Bye. Bye. Damn it, man, I'm a doctor, not a podcaster.